0: Well, happy Mother's Day. It is a special day for you, and I I hope that you know that you are blessed because you are a mom and and, uh, that you have a very special day. Well, thank you for inviting me to come and share with you over these next couple of Sundays. I'm looking forward to worshiping our God with you together. I was introduced, my name is Scott Crawford, my beautiful bride is back there in the back and her name is Shannon, and later this year we'll have been married for 40 years. We have five, grand- we have five children and we now have 10 grandchildren. And uh, prior to come from the community of Cutknife, I pastored the E-Free Church there from 2015 to 2018, and then we left there and went into missions and served in Ukraine. And uh, we returned home in 2020 as COVID was breaking out, not because of COVID, but because I was struggling with some health issues. So I was just, my breathing, something was wrong. But within two to three weeks of being back in Canada, everything returned to normal. And uh, for that, I'm thankful. But in consultation with our doctor at the time, she said, I don't really know what it was. I think it had to be something environmental, whether in the house you were living or just the the air. She said, I would recommend that you not return on a full-time basis. So we're back here and uh, we are still involved with Ukraine. We do a weekly Zoom Bible study Sunday mornings. This morning we didn't because we were on the road and I had another fellow fill in for us. So, and then on Tuesdays and Fridays I phone Walter in Ukraine and we study the book of Matthew uh, verse by verse and, uh, and it's been pretty cool. Uh, since returning from Ukraine, we moved back to our house in Knife. We'd rented it out. We tried to sell it, but couldn't. And so we're back there. I've done some interim pasturing. I've been doing a lot of pulpit supply over the last number of months. I did uh, some fall work last year. I enjoyed that. I'm a, I'm a farm kid, so I enjoy working in the field. And... Uh, I'm working part-time at a local grocery store also right now, and I've just recently been approved to become a volunteer chaplain with the RCMP. So that I'm excited about too, and that's going to start up here pretty soon. I was asked to uh, speak this morning from Acts one twelve to the end of Chapter 2. And for me, this is exciting, as I cannot fathom my life today without the Holy Spirit's presence. He has done what Scripture has said, and he has been a constant friend in my life. He has shown me how to apply Scripture to life situations and has brought me victory, joy, and peace. As we look at this passage, part of the background is that they're obeying Jesus with his command to wait for the Holy Spirit's arrival. And that's our blessing today, too, is in Acts eight, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And while they're waiting, they're, they're busy doing some things that need to be done. And one of those things is to find a replacement for Judas. They need someone else to be one of the twelve. And we read that in Acts to 26 and it says, In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number, and he shared in this ministry. With the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field, in their language, akadama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time. The Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. And I think while they're waiting, and as was shared earlier, not many of us are probably really good at waiting. I wouldn't consider that a strength of mine, But they're told to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And the remarkable thing is that they waited for 10 days. Like in our world today, would we wait 10 hours, let alone wait 10 days together, praying? We live in a world where waiting isn't really what we want to do. We want everything yesterday. And waiting can really stretch one's patience at times. As they gathered in the upper room, They may have asked some questions like, well, how will we know when the Holy Spirit comes? Will we all know? Or just some of us? How will he live in us? And if they ask some of these questions, I can almost see God smiling. They will know. They will never forget this day when the Holy Spirit arrives on the scene. They won't wonder anymore. And then we read in Acts 2, 1 through 4, where it says, poured out his spirit upon them. What does it mean for you and I to wait today? Do we have Are we to wait upon the Holy Spirit? How do we do that? When Jesus was walking with them, he said that the Holy Spirit, he encouraged them on that last meal that they shared together and into the night as he shared before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He shared with him in John 14 that he was going to send someone else. And we read that in John 14, 16 through 18. And he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. An amazing promise. And then just drop down to 26 and 27. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be Be troubled. Do not be afraid. How is he going to show up in our lives today? Do we expect him to show up in our lives today? How will I know if he's present in my life, in your life? Do we believe that or trust that his counsel is worth waiting for? As a brand new follower of Jesus back in 1985, I soon found out that like, I had no clue what the Holy Spirit was. I, I really didn't know. But I soon found out that He was invested in my life. As a brand new follower of Jesus, I had sin that needed to be dealt with. Our marriage was struggling after almost three years. I had a foul mouth and a hot temper. But the biggest issue was my thought life lust was destroying our marriage. And I knew it was wrong. Nobody had to tell me it was sin. I knew it was wrong, but I felt powerless to stop until Jesus became real to me. And God's word began to come alive. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5, to me was life-changing. It was a game-changer for me. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world On the contrary, they have power. They have divine power to demolish strongholds, and that's what I had in my life, a stronghold. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And this was key for me, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I made this verse my verse, my go-to verse, and I took captive every thought that I knew was wrong from that point on. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit set me free each and every time. I would find myself when those thoughts came in that I'd start either praying or singing songs that I was learning in church or thinking of a scripture that I was learning. And every time I found myself, I'd be working, all of a sudden I'm just praising God. And the thoughts were gone. And I thought, God is amazing. And I'm thankful for how he worked in my life back then, but even into this day. There have been times when we have waited, and I don't like waiting. Because we know that God already knows the answer, right? And yet, we have to wait. And yet, all of our waiting, in hindsight, proves that God's plan is worth waiting for. His timing, everything, the way it comes together. But I just need to remember that for the next time I have to wait. Because I like to know right now, if possible. And yet I know God's timing is perfect. He knows the way. He knows the right way. At the right time, every time. And when I look back on our life, I stand amazed at how God has transformed our lives. He took a young couple. I was 26, Shannon was 20. And with a nine-month-old daughter, we had very little spiritual background. And he made us into a new creation. And he continues to work in our lives to this day. I sometimes wonder if people realize the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And not just in our spiritual lives, but in every aspect of our lives. He's not an option, if you want more spiritually, to tick off and say, well, yeah, I'll take the Holy Spirit. We need him in our lives, at all times, in everything that we do. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatever you do, that's pretty broad, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I'm speaking of myself, speak, speaking to myself first here. We need to be patient when we wait. We need to seek the Holy Spirit's counsel, his wisdom, and he will show us the heart of God. But sometimes we have to wait. When we look at Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's arrival was not hidden to where, well, did you get it? Did you get it? He was never meant to be hidden, for them or for us. Those in the upper room quickly knew that he was now with them. His presence was manifest in amazing ways. But what took place in the upper room quickly spread into the streets. And in Acts 2, 5 through 13, it says this, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then "Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, But when you think of waiting, you think of God's amazing timing. You look at all these people that have gathered in Jerusalem. And we know as we read through it that thousands are going to come to faith in Christ. Some of them would have been these people that are going back home. And you talk about God spreading his good news. God knew exactly what he was doing. And when I think of the Holy Spirit working in lives, I think of one of my favorite Bible characters outside of Jesus is Peter. I look forward to meeting him one day. And, you know, he's faithful to follow Jesus when Peter calls him to become a fisher of men, drops his nets and walks behind him. He's quick to take Jesus at his word and walk in obedience on the stormy water as they were buffeted by the waves. Peter steps off the edge of the boat in faith to Jesus' invitation. But then scripture says, but when he saw the wind, he starts to sink And Jesus pulls him up and says, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And it's hard to be too critical of Peter when you consider the circumstances. Would you and I have stepped out of the boat? None of the other disciples did. And we know we cannot see the wind, per se, but the wind definitely shows its effects on everything around us. And with water, it can be extreme. But Peter was bold, and it, And it took faith to step out of the boat. Peter made mistakes at times when he spoke before he even thought about what he was saying. He rebuked Jesus one time only to get rebuked in return. He talked boldly, and yet he ends up denying Jesus three times. But after the resurrection, and as he's walking with Jesus, he's forgiven. And he's commissioned by Jesus to take care of and feed his sheep. And he steps up to serve. And I love his boldness in Acts chapter 2 here. And the passion that he has as he defended and he explained the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He speaks with such conviction that sees 3,000 people come to faith in Christ that day. And I want to read a couple excerpts in Acts 2, to 24. He says, "'Men of Israel, listen to this. "'Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited, to you, accredited by God to you "'by miracles, wonders, and signs, "'which God did among you through him, "'as you yourselves know. "'This man was handed over to you "'by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. "'And you, with the help of wicked men,' Put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then go to verse 36. Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus, whom you crucified both Lord and Christ, Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to their hearts and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many words, he warned them and he pleaded with them save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who believed, accepted his message, were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's an amazing message, that's an amazing result. And as I said, I love his passion, his boldness, the confidence of which he speaks. And what happened to Peter, what I see is it's a fulfillment of Scripture telling us how the Holy Spirit changes and impacts people's lives who give themselves to Christ. Who wants what Peter had? Because he is not the same man that followed Jesus earlier. The confidence and the assurance, the certainty of what he speaks. But then Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you his message brings conviction and hearts are challenged to experience repentance and renewal peter is a changed man by the power of the holy spirit and when peter initially addresses the crowd he points back to the prophet joel and says what they're seeing this is a promise for god in the last day, for those in the last days And in verses 17 and 18 of chapter 2, he says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Two times he says, I will pour out my spirit. God doesn't just trickle or dribble out his spirit and you hope to be close enough that maybe you'll get a little bit. But he says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. In John, it says that rivers of living water will flow from within us. And as this has happened, the church is birthed powerfully. Jerusalem was impacted by 3,000 getting saved one day. 2,000 another day. Acts 2.47 is encouraging when it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Is this possible today? Has God changed? Are there people in our neighborhoods, our communities, our provinces, our country, our world that need Jesus? Absolutely. Absolutely. You think of what Second Peter three nine says. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We have in our possession the greatest message of freedom that our world needs to hear. And sharing sometimes makes us nervous, but we don't have to share it in our own power. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Jesus says, But you will know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. He guides us, he leads us, he empowers us, he gives us wisdom and discernment. He is always with us. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And that's just one of God's promises that we can stake our lives on. He helps us to see people through his eyes those who are lost and those who need a savior. As I mentioned, I phoned Walter in Ukraine twice a week. It began going back. Walter was one of those people. He came to Summer English Institute for over 20 years. Not once did he come to a follow-up Bible study. But the year we were there, he decided to come out, and he took part in it. He wanted to learn more, so I started driving into the city, and I met with him and another man a second time. When I came back to Canada, he wanted to stay in touch, so we started phoning back and forth, and twenty-three cents a minute for half an hour. Those those add up after a while. But it was it was good, and yet it was frustrating because Walter he just says, "I don't believe that Jesus is a created. I believe that he's a created being. That he's not the Son of God. That he's not the second person of the Trinity." He said, "We will we will agree to disagree." And probably a little over a year ago, I was frustrated. I said to Shan, I don't know whether this is worth continuing because he always asked trivial questions. He just wanted to race through scriptures and just ask things that he wanted to know about. But about a year ago, right now, Walter was able to get a smartphone and he likes it. Now we talk twice a week and we could talk for as long as we want because it doesn't cost us money. But Walter came on the phone one day and he said, I believe that Jesus is who you say he is. And we talked about salvation. He wasn't quite ready, but now today, Walter is born again. He's hungry for God, even in the midst of a war. He can't wait for me to phone. Like he just, his week revolves around our conversations. And we crawl through scripture now, verse by verse. But what was a frustrating relationship has turned into a precious relationship. What we often think we see isn't what God sees, because He knows the end of the story. And for most of us, probably sharing our faith isn't the easiest thing for us to do. But I want to encourage you that each and every one of us here, we all have a story to tell. It's personal and you know it. It's the story of how you came to know, how you came to faith in Christ. It's a story that you will never forget. And maybe for some of you, you were raised in a Christian home and you accepted the Lord when you were four or five and you've never strayed. And that's great and that's wonderful. And you might think, but I don't have the story like you've got. But one man from our home church back in Imperial, Evan, was raised in that kind of a home and and he said one time, he said, I have the greatest testimony that there is. Because God has kept me out of all that junk all of my life. I've never strayed from him, ever. God kept me out of all that junk. That is a testimony. But share your story. Tell others how Jesus has changed your life. That you, because you are a new creation in Christ. You know, before I knew Christ, sin was a way of life. That was, that's all I really knew. But as a follower of Christ, sin should no longer define who you or I are. It doesn't mean we're never going to sin again or stumble. But sin isn't what we're to be known for. Because Jesus now marks our life. And we're meant to be a light that points others to Christ. And because of what Jesus has done in your life and mine, we have a power and authority to live a life that prior to salvation was only a dream. We would have never imagined the life we could have today because we're free. And the Holy Spirit is our power and he's our authority and he lives in us. A few other scriptures here. Titus two eleven and twelve says, "For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age." That passage is ours to live by, because the Holy Spirit empowers us to be able to to live it out. In Romans 6, 5 through 7, I love the whole chapter of Romans 6, it's so freeing. But in verses 5 through 7, it says, if we have been united with him like this in his death, it means we've died to the old way of life. We've become a new creation in Christ. We will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who who has died has been freed from sin. John says in 1 John 3.8, he said the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Destroy it. On the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. And here's another amazing verse, 2 Peter 1.3-4. His divine power has given us Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This is an amazing passage of scripture and it was one that I said, this is mine too and became a part of my life through our knowledge of him. We have to read his word. We have to be in it to get to know him. And then we need to put it into practice. We need to put feet to God's word and live it out intentionally. And as that passage goes on, verse 5 says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To, To godliness, brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness, love. We're to make every effort to add those to our lives. And the Holy Spirit living within us will amaze us and equip us to add those things to our lives. So that we can participate in the divine nature. And be overcomers in Christ. And it's through the stories of what God has done in your life and mine that we can share with others what God has done in us and and tell others that Christ will do the same for them. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So let us continue to expect and anticipate God working in our lives. One man who saw God do amazing things in his 30s said God whispered this into his heart as he turned 40. And God said, do you want to spend your 40s telling about your stories of the 30s or do you want more stories? I hope I'm way past that time, but I want more stories about what God has done and what he can do. And I want to encourage you today to know that God can, will speak to you. Holy Spirit will speak to you. You can hear his voice. In John sixteen, thirteen through 15, it says this. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. He will make it known to you. And I think probably for a lot of us, the biggest challenge of listening is discerning and knowing, is that his voice? Or is it mine? Or is it somebody else's? We know there are times in our lives when we have heard God's voice. We know it. And yet there are other times when God seems to be silent. Maybe it's not quite the right time for God yet. Or maybe my filter is jammed up because of the junk of this world. I want to share a story that I came across years ago. And it's probably a a setting that would have been from my grandparents' era. Some men were getting a room that had been dug out of a hillside and they were getting it all ready for summer and they were digging ice chunks out of the river and putting them in this and then covering them with sawdust to have have their cold storage. And as they were working, one man shouts out that he's lost his treasured pocket watch. And they search, search frantically with all the wood shavings and they cannot find it. And while they're sitting outside having some lunch, it dominates the conversation. And a young boy comes along and says, what's what's the matter? He said, well, I lost my watch and we can't find it. And the boy says, well, I can find it for you. And they said, really? We can't find it. How do you think you can find it? The little boy went into the room, closed the door behind him, went into the middle of the room and sat down and said absolutely nothing. What he heard next was, the sound that went tick, tick, tick. And he started to follow that ticking noise, and he got the man's watch, took it out, and gave it back to him. And the lesson we learned from this story is that sometimes we need to stop talking. We need to be quiet, and we need to listen. And I'm not saying that we cannot hear God when life is busy and noisy because we can but more often than not we hear much better when our environment is quiet and focused. I have never heard the audible voice of God and yet there's times in my life when I know that I have heard God speak into my heart and mind. And he cares about all things in our lives not just the spiritual things. And he's willing to share his insights. And I want to share one of those because it's, it's just so neat. We Moved to one place, and in our one right in front of the living room windows is this great big old cedar tree. I like trees, but they're not in front of my window. I want to look out my window and not at a tree. So I chopped the branches down, and I left it probably about the most of them were a couple feet high. And my son and I, we dug around, and we took an axe, and we could not budge them, nothing. And yet one morning, I'm up at the church just walking around, praying, and I don't think I was even praying about this, but God dropped a thought into my mind. I thought, huh, I'm going to try that later. So later in the day, I went home, and I got my chainsaw out. And my chainsaw needed to be replaced, my chain needed to be replaced, but the thought was to take, there was about probably six or seven short stumps, was to take the chainsaw and go down between each one, down into the roots as far as I could without getting a lot of dirt, and then just crisscrossing, and I went like that all over the place within 30 minutes, all of the branches and roots were gone. They were finished. And we had tried hours before that. God cares about all the details of your life, even the removal of tree roots. But I would say this, if he cares that much about the removal of a tree root, can you imagine how much he cares about the lost? Do you remember what it was like to be without Christ? I do. I don't want to go back. Are you glad that you heard the gospel message and you repented and experienced the forgiveness of God and became a new creation? And maybe even as I'm talking right now, if somebody's name is going through your mind of somebody you're maybe sharing with or you know you need to share with. And they may not know that they need to hear about Jesus or salvation, but if they hear it from you and they open up their heart ultimately to you, they will be so thankful that you share it with them. You'll change their future, their eternity. I think of Walter in Ukraine. He was, I would say, socially awkward. He just he would rub some people the wrong way at times, and but Walter and I got along. We clicked. But Shannon once said this once we were back. She said, did God send us to Ukraine just so we could meet Walter? Because our pastor over there said, if Walter ever becomes a Christian, that'll be a miracle. Well, Walter's a believer today. That's the kind of God we serve who, who wants everyone to be saved. And you might say, but who am I to share? Like, who am I? But listen to this from 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God has given each of us a story to tell. And the Holy Spirit will open up doors of opportunities for us to declare the praises of God. Holy Spirit in our lives was never meant to just ride along and do nothing. He will lead us to those who need Christ. And we need to listen and go as he leads us. As I said, sharing your faith may strike a note of fear within you. But I can tell, this, tell you this. When you have the opportunity to share with somebody, you experience a joy that is second to none. Nothing compares with it. Because you're talking about eternity. And remember this as you go to share You're not alone. The Holy Spirit is in you. He will give you the words. He will lead you to scriptures that you need. And as I close, I just want to go back to Acts 2, 42 to 47. In my Bible, it says, the fellowship of believers, of the believers. And it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. We are in this together. God works together with us as we work together with one another. The disciples, they learned together. They spent time together. They ate together. They prayed together. They waited on the Holy Spirit together. They were in awe of God together. They served together. They supported one another. They did life and ministry together. And together, they were a family. And the church grew. And it continued to change lives daily. And from what I can see, God's plan has not changed. But we need to step out of the boat. Take a risk in faith, like Peter did. And see God do amazing things, whether it's miracles, whether it's salvations, Just have fun following him. And if you're here today and maybe you don't know Christ, I would just say this. If you're wanting to know, maybe is Jesus real for me? And you're wondering about his salvation? Talk to somebody hereafter that you know. Talk to me. I have a story to tell. And God wants you to have a story to tell too. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for how amazing and awesome you are. Jesus, I can't imagine, you know, even being one of the disciples when you told them, I'm going to send the, the comfort, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And I'm sure all of them would have rather said, We would rather have you. But in hindsight, we can see where the Holy Spirit in every believer around this world is powerful in what you do in and through our lives, how you draw us unto yourself, how you open doors of opportunity for us to be able to tell people about your amazing salvation. Lord, continue to fill us with your Spirit. Lord, help us to see people through your eyes and help us to see the opportunities that you are giving to us. Help us not to Help us to think about eternity and realize what those who are lost are going into. But help us to realize that when they come to faith in Christ, the eternity, it's our hope. One day we will live with you forever. So God, thank you for the opportunity to, to be able to share your word. And I just pray, oh God, that you would work in, in the hearts of each and every one of us here as we look forward to what you're going to do for us in this upcoming week. We give you thanks. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.